On this edition of the Deseret News Youth Insiders Podcast, Parker Van Dyke joins us again before he begins his professional career in Tijuana. We talk a little basketball, a little football, that and more on the Deseret News Youth Insiders Podcast. This is Stephen Sylvester, former University of Utah linebacker and Pittsburgh Steeler, and you are listening to the Deseret News Youth Insider Podcast. Welcome to yet another edition of the Deseret News Youth Insiders Podcast. For those of you who are counting, this is episode number 54. I'm Dirk Fisher, the host, joined by my colleagues Mike Sorensen and Jody Genesee, and special guest star, former running Ute and member of the Tijuana Zonkeys, Parker Van Dyke. Parker, good to have you here again. It is good to be here, Dirk, and thanks for having me. Thanks for not kicking me off after last week. Hey, this is the big week where you leave for your professional basketball career, isn't it? Yes, I uh, leave on Sunday. Very excited, so I wanted to come in here and uh, have another opportunity to talk about the Utes before I take off. We're I want to talk to Zonkeys. Have. We will well, talk some Zonkeys. Uh, when's your first game, by the way, do you know? First game, I think, is March 12th. Oh, first sweet. official game. Home game? Home game. Sweet. In so. uh, in, in Tijuana. And, uh, yeah, before then, we have practices and preseason games before we get we get rolling March 12th. Awesome. Well, congratulations. That'll be good to have. Hey, Mike, uh, you've traveled with the basketball team. Road woes continue. What happened again? <clears throat> I've seen this game about, what, seven times this year already. Like They just get behind early, and they just have a hard time shooting the ball on the road. You know, it's just uh, just a, seemed to be a, a, an ongoing problem uh, when they got on the road, they're just a kind of a different team. What uh, either of those two games did you think were winnable? I mean, on paper, it looked like Oregon State might be an opportunity to get a win, but uh, it didn't work out that way. And Oregon got that quick lead on them, right? Yeah, it was just, you know, they fell behind early against Oregon State. And then same against Oregon. The Oregon game gave them some hope, though, because they actually came back. First half, they got within seven after being down by double digits. And in the second half, they're down by 15, and they came back within eight. And then all of a sudden, the other team, uh, the Oregon, made three straight threes, and that was it for them. And they just, uh, you know, another 18-point loss. Parker, we asked you this last week. I ask you again, why are things so more, so much more difficult on the road? Definitely less comfortable on the road. You know, it's easier to play at home when you got ten to fifteen thousand um, fans behind you cheering for you and uh, hoping you make every shot you take. And uh, you know, it is a sign of our youth, I guess, the lack of comfort, the lack of experience on the road. I think that Oregon game, Oregon shot ten for fifteen from three in the first half, which is right. absurd. And so they're already really tough to beat there. They're a great team, top twenty-five team. So that one was tough. Oregon State came out too flat. And um, one thing, as far as not shooting well on the road, one thing that always bothered me as a player and a lot of people I don't think talk about this, is when you go on the road, you play with a different basketball. And this may this may sound silly to some people, but it always affected me as a shooter and it bothers some of me and my teammates is at the U, we play with a Wilson NCAA ball. Okay. And on the road, we play with a Nike ball. And the Nike balls feel different. They have a different feel. They have a different weight than some of the Wilson balls. And so that is a little bit of an adjustment. You know, I don't want to make excuses for not shooting well on the road compared to the home, playing at home. But that is, that is something that always affected me a little bit as a player is every other week you're playing with a different basketball within the game and it kind of affects you just a little bit um, and sometimes that can contribute to some poor shooting. So you can't practice with Nike balls and then even though you're, I guess you're not a Nike school though, right? Is that a problem? We're not a Nike school, but we would practice a, you know, we'd practice a couple days in advance with the Nike ball, but I would, I've always been interested 
and ask players from other teams. Is that something that you guys struggle with when you come into play? You know, you play us or um, UCLA. They use we use the same Wilson ball because the Nike balls. They just I, I I personally think they're a little less quality, and they all of them are different. They're all different shapes and sizes. They have different feels. You know, so that was something that always bothered me on the road. I always felt I shot better at home, not only because you're more comfortable there, but you know the different balls. I, I really do. They have they do play a little bit of an effect. What happened to those Spalding balls? When I used to play in high school, they had those balls. They're not around anymore. They're not around anymore. I don't know the classic Spalding TF one thousands. I thought Mike just played with an, an old cowhide globe. <laughs> well, that was strung pe- together some pieces well, that, of leather in the peach baskets. <laughs> that was hot rod Huntley. Yeah, Doctor Naismith oh, okay. has it's mixed up. You gotta uh, love his it, museum baby. has some of those Spalding balls, and I'm sure some <laughs> steak centers around the area have. One, one thing that I wonder how much this plays into it. Larry Kostoviak has had a, a history of losing some players and to the transfer portal. And I don't know if those players that have left, I mean, there have been quite a few players that have that have left. I, I don't know if any of those guys that, that would have left would be upperclassmen at this point right now. I'm not going to blame these losses so much on these younger guys because, look, they they were picked to be ninth. I think in a lot of ways they're playing above their heads and they're, they're playing really well. This is a team, like if they had a senior Parker Van Dyke, you guys, I mean, somebody like that could help them gel on the road, but they don't have that leadership. I know that, you know, know some of the a couple of the sophomores are, are trying but Timmy especially but they just don't have that upperclassman leadership do you think some of those transfers is coming to back to bite them maybe you know i i like you said i would love to go back this year and go play on this team because i i love this youth and i love the uh their potential that they have and to be able to um, be a good person with some experience. I think some of those guys that transferred, um, and it was almost like an addition by subtraction, um, some of the guys were you know, maybe uh, hindering the culture a little bit, maybe would have hurt us more than they would have helped us. But there are some guys, I think of guys like Donnie Tillman and Jace Johnson. What if they were here? Those are those are two guys that would have been juniors, seniors with a lot of basketball experience, a lot of Pac-12 experience. And yeah, I really think they would have helped. And you know, those guys left for reasons that are still beyond me. But I wish those guys would have stayed together. But I, I do think there is a silver lining with this team. I do think this group is different. Um, I do think that they will stay together. And I think it's because they have great sophomore leadership with Timmy Allen and Riley Batten and Booth Gotch. But I think a lot of these guys are local guys like me where they want to play for the U. You know, the U's not just another school to them. It's it's their hometown school, their home state school, which was which it, which it was, was for me. And so when the going gets rough... I don't think they're going to look for other places. I think they're going to try to play here because this is where they want to succeed. So I think this this is a silver lining with this team that's a little bit different than players in the past where I think they really want to be here and they want to be successful here. How big of a deal is culture? Coach K mentions that all the time, that it's important to have the right culture. And that's something, obviously, that's been dabbled with the last couple of years to get that right culture. How huge is that? It is a really big deal, and it's Coach K always talks about it. The culture is, you know, who we are and how we do things. And one thing I've learned over the years is the little things make a huge difference on and off the floor. And so, if people, if players aren't handling their business off the floor, if they're not going to class, if they're not going to study hall, if they're not on time to certain things, that has a way of getting onto the court and affecting you. And um, I think this team is the way the way that I or the amount of time I've spent with them, I have seen none of that. You know, I think they're all they handle their business off the floor. They're on time to, to team meetings and to, to lifts and to practice and things like that. And I think they're only going to get better as they continue to do that. And the culture is only going to get better um, because it's already so hard to win on the floor. We're in a great conference with great players, with great coaches. It's already so tough to win on the floor that all those little things off the court, they will affect you and they can hinder your 
um, potential in winning games. So I think it, culture is a huge part of it. Coach K and the coaching staff preach that, and I think that this team has a really good culture right now, and hopefully that will add to the success in the future. I mean, that's really exciting to think about if keeping this team together with uh, with the leadership and, and some of the freshmen that are in there, like Rylan. And uh, I mean, such a young team. Now you have what's supposed to be the best recruiting class ever in Utah history coming in. If you can mix that, you know, just kind of bide your time this year. You're having enjoy those home wins. Hopefully there are a couple more road wins uh, and maybe a tournament win uh, at the Pac-12 down in Las Vegas. Probably not an NCAA year this year, but enjoy it for what it is and the future looks bright. Mike, you've covered this team for a long time and that. Can these guys shoot the ball? Or are, there, are there some skills they need to develop and what do you see a future with this group? Well, that's been, I think, one of the biggest issues with them this year. They just don't have a they don't have a Cedric Bearfield or a Parker Van Dyke on the team that shoots outside. Uh, just looking at their at their Pac-12 stats, except for Brandon Carlson, who's probably been their best player over the last five or six games, who's shooting 55%. Every one of the other four starters is shooting between 32 and 36% in Pac-12 play. You just can't do that. You know, you can't have it shooting in the 30s. And they just don't have a guy you can go to. I mean, Ryland's, he gets hot sometimes, hits some outside shots. You know, Riley's had a couple of good games, but they're not consistent. So when those guys are off, and then Booth, you know, he, I don't know what's up with him. He had some great early games, but he can't he can't hit at all right now. I know he's been injured. And so when those guys are off, you don't have anyone to turn to. You know, a teams can just uh, pack it down and, and stop the inside game and let the guys shoot outside. And they're, they're, I think they're ranked 205th in the country in three-point shooting. And that's just, you know, they just got to improve that and get better because and next year they got a couple of good shooters coming in. Ian Rodriguez is a good shooter. And it should change next year, like Jody was saying. It should be, they might have some more scoring. But right now, that's really what's hurting them. All right. Well, let's look ahead. Uh, they've got UCLA and USC coming into the Huntsman Center this week. Mike, uh, neither team is in the upper echelon, yet things are so bunched up at the top. They're really like, what, a game out of first? They're both so. a game out of first, yeah. They're just so right they're there. tied for fifth, but you had a game out of first. So. Right. You know, and I was those games in LA a couple of weeks ago. It just seemed like coach said it just seemed like yesterday, and it, it was just a little over two weeks ago. But that USC game, Utah really should have won that game. I mean, they were up pretty much I think thirty five minutes in that game. They had them by ten points in the first half, and they just you know you know being a young team, they just couldn't hang on to the lead. They're up by two with a minute to go, and then the other team scored six straight. So I think USC is gettable, and so is UCLA for that matter. UCLA they've come on really strong lately. They won five out of six, and uh, they've after a slow start when they lost to. Teams like Hofstra and, and Cal State Fullerton, but uh, so I think both games are gettable this week, and just like and they're playing at home, so it might be the same thing. They lose to it on the road, win to at home. It's kind of been a pattern this year. Parker, they uh, obviously uh, performed pretty well at USC, got blown out of the gym at UCLA. Can they sweep this series this week? I think they can. They're capable. And uh, like Mike said, is hopefully the pattern continues. Coach K said earlier, we can't count on that pattern to you know get swept on the road and then to get the home sweep, home sweep at home. But uh, the way that this team plays at home, they're capable of doing it. I feel percentages go up. The way we shoot the ball is much better. So we can. US, UCLA and USC both are coming off a home sweep of the Washington schools and so they're they're both playing well and they're fighting for something fighting for a potential top four spot and a buy in the Pac-12 tournament so these games will be tough but we're definitely capable of doing it so hopefully right now you know the Utes are practicing and hopefully they're practicing well today and tomorrow and get them prepared for um, the UCLA game another interesting thing that's that's tough on the road for teams it's hard to play Thursday Sunday on the road and that's what you that's what USC is going to do so they they play Thursday against Colorado and they have to come and play us on Sunday so it's already a hard 
hard road trip to go to from Colorado to Utah, and that extra day is it also I think is a little, makes it a little bit more difficult. So that's something that uh, may play a role to this weekend. Parker, there's a lot been said over the years that that is the toughest road trip just because of the elevation and the fact that it's pretty good. You know, it's only an hour flight, but still. You know, maybe Washington, Washington State's comparable, but it is a tough uh, trip to make to Utah and Colorado, and then you add the extra day, it doesn't help. No, that, and that, that can play a difference. I always didn't like it when we did that long of a road trip. And I remember my freshman year one time at Washington, Washington State, we did Wednesday and Sunday, right. which I don't think they do that anymore. But that was just too long, too long on the road, and that can play an effect with you. And so I like the quick turnaround of Thursday, Saturday. And so with UCLA and USC coming in, having to do that, at least USC will have to do that because we play them second. That may play a play an effect on them. And so hopefully the Utes can bounce back and at least split, but hopefully get the sweep here. Everybody talks about the challenges of going up in elevation, playing at altitude, was there any ba- benefits or advantages that you would notice when you would go down to sea level? There was. I, I don't think I ever got tired on the road playing, but there was sometimes at home, you know, if there was a long stretch with not a lot of calls or, you know, there hasn't been a timeout in a while, you get gassed a little bit. But I don't remember one specific time, you know, playing at USC or UCLA or playing at the Arizona schools where, man, I'm just dead tired. And I think that's that's an, that's a strength of Utah and it's in Colorado, being able to train at elevation. When you go down to sea level, um, you feel like you can run forever. So hopefully that translates for me down in Mexico <laughs> because I haven't played in about a year. <laughs> so hopefully my, my conditioning here translates well down there, but it's definitely an advantage for Utah and Colorado. Jody, do you see a, a split being the most realistic thing this week? And then also, how restless will the fans get if Utah doesn't win a game this week? <laughs> uh, I mean, the fans are already restless. I, I see social media chatter about trying to get some people are up in arms and want to get rid of Kostoviak already, even though that would be a financial boondoggle for the Utes. It would just be a disaster. No, I I, I think that they definitely can sweep this this week. I, it worries me that it, it might, having been swept again on the road, that it might just carry over. And, and this is, you know, they talk about this pattern. They are in a pattern and and what if like it emotionally bears down on them and they they don't live up to that pattern so i i am expecting them to win both games honestly because i think they played well enough to to beat them and in california especially usc so that i i'm going to be optimistic and go for the sweep Mike, uh, Ryland Jones was compared to Peyton Pritchard by both Larry Kristoviak and Dana Altman this past week. Do you see comparisons between the two? I do in some ways. Right now, one's a man and one's a boy. That's kind of how I look at it. You know, uh, they're just kind of a, you know, you can just tell by the way they play. And they're three years difference in their in their ages, obviously. And and and, and Peyton does have um, two or three inches on him. You know, Ryland's just, what, a little over six foot tall, is he? He doesn't being, being generous, yeah. yeah okay, with <laughs> with, uh, the, with with high top shoes right. and that hair and the yeah. hair too, that hair. So yeah, when I saw them play against each other, they, they guarded each other for most of the game, and and he seemed almost a full head taller. Peyton did, but I think he's only listed at six three. But uh, no, there there's a lot of comparisons in just the way they play. They're both very heady players, and with and the, use the words. I think they both the coaches use the words moxie and and savvy. You know these, uh, and just they're both smart players, and they, they're you know they're kind of true point guards. You know they're not they're 
looking to, to do what's best for the team, not just to score themselves, yet they both can score. Uh, you know, Peyton averages uh, 6.0 assists this year, and I think Ryland's close to 5. And, you know, actually Jones is averaging more than, than Pritchard did as a as a freshman, obviously on a not as good of a team. So, and I think also the fact is that, you know, Pritchard's a rare four-year player for a guy that's as good as he is. Jones is going to be, a, I, I would guess, a four-year player. He's not going to be going to the NBA, you know, anytime soon, if, if, if after college even, you know, he's not, he just maybe isn't big enough. But he's a great college player so far, and I think the the comparisons, you know, both Dana Altman and, and Larry Kristoviak both, you know, made that comparison after the game. Parker, you're familiar with both guys. Do you see a comparison there? And then how high of a ceiling does Ryland Jones have? Definitely similar and similar players. They both have great vision and great command of the game. Um, I think when Ryland's on the floor, that's Utah's definitely the most under control. He keeps the tempo of the game, runs the offense well. You know, Pritchard is the the king of that. I played him for three straight years, and he just he didn't make very many mistakes. You know, he wasn't going to beat himself. You had to beat him. And Ryland has the capability of becoming that way. And I think one thing that Ryland has, that Peyton has, or Ryland will have, is that he will have four years of big-time starting minutes that he'll play. And so by his senior year, you know, Ryland could be an all-conference kind of guy. And so that's a great comparison for Ryland, for him to look up to a guy like like Pritchard and, you know, try to emulate his game after and also be able to stay hungry and uh, stay humble and try to uh, try to be that for the Utes because... You know, as you fans, we would love to have a guy like Pritchard, you know, in our system. And so Ryland, he's got a chance. He's a great player. He's got great vision, great command of the game, and um, he's only going to get better skilled. He's only going to be a better passer, and he's only going to get better um, shooting from the outside. I love the interaction they had this week. I, Josh Newman interviews uh, Peyton, or excuse me, interviews Ryland Jones, and he talks about Peyton Pritchard. So he talks to him about Peyton Pritchard, and he goes back and he says, "Hey, I was watching him as a freshman, you know, when he was in the NCAA tournament." four years ago, and I've been trying to pattern my game after him ever since then. And so then uh, Peyton retweets that tweet of the video interview, and here I liked what he said. He said, love the way you play and compete. You have a bright future ahead. Rylan Jones, keep pushing. I think that just shows ultimate respect of, you know, a senior who, he, he doesn't have to say anything to this little freshman from another school that's trying to be like him and trying to replace him, but, but I thought that spoke highly of both players. That, that uh, It's smart of Rylan to look at a guy like Peyton and say, hey, I want to become like you. And he has that work ethic that he could potentially could become like him. But it's all I like that a, a, a guy who's at that level is saying, hey, kind of encouraging him. I, I like that interaction. Well, the big question about the evolution of Rylan Jones is by the time he's a senior, will he be shaven? <laughs> I'm 25 and I barely shaved Dirk. <laughs> so that's true. That's no indication it's if the guy can play. Lovely East High skin. That's what it is. <laughs> exactly. All right. Hey, let's switch gears to football, guys. Uh, I know you're all uh, well-versed in it. I'm in the middle of a uh, 10-part series uh, going position by position, looking at the youths before they open uh, spring ball on March 2nd. Guys, we're all familiar with the fact that Utah has eight defensive players going to the NFL scouting combine. Zach Moss is a lone guy on offense. With graduation and such, Utah's losing nine of their 11 starters on defense. Maybe we'll just start with you, Mike. There's some big holes to fill, especially on the defensive line, losing uh, Bradley and I, Lecky Foto, and John Penasini. Yeah, and I can't even tell you who's going to replace them, but you probably can, can't you, Dirk? Uh, we can make up some names. Yeah. That's going to be a heated battle. And then you've got the <laughs> secondary that's completely depleted. 
right. You know, they're going to have to have two new safeties and two new starting corners. Um, they got Devin Lloyd coming back. Devin Lloyd, the man who, in the who middle. else they got coming back? If That's you're going to have a guy come back, Jody, may as well have your uh, tackles leader, Devin Lloyd, come back. Yeah, I mean, he he played really well last year and, and kind of filled a, a big gap that the, the, the one of the few gaps that the Utes did have last year and played really well. But man, they have so, so many holes to fill. But I think they got a lot of guys some playing time this past year and I, I know they have a couple of guys that are coming into the program. I like that there's going to be some football because as you know, that might be a good... The XFL isn't doing it for you? No. I'm still mad that the AAF went out and the Salt Lake Stallions are gone. Hmm. You might be the only one. I might be. No, my son is mad too that we we went up to Rice Eccles. They did sponsor this show, so I guess we did yes. miss some myths. Mid season. I was a fan. Come on, finish at least one season. You had stock in the team, weren't you? The assistant GM or something? I should like have that? been, yeah. Yeah, do you got some gear? We could No, I didn't anything? get any gear. They had a cool logo, they had cool colors. It was it was kind of odd to see so much blue at, at Rice Eccles. That was a little strange, but even for you, Joe. Right? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Speaking of which, I hope you fans will forgive me that I, I moved to Utah County this past week and I have a partially blue house. And so as long as it's only partially. Hey, Parker, uh, obviously with all these uh, vacancies on the starting lineup for the Utes in football, they're bringing in a lot of freshmen, highly touted freshmen. They won some recruiting battles. Clark Phillips, the cornerback, switches from Ohio State to Utah. They're getting some better athletes than they've ever had before. Or do you think they'll be okay to fill in the gaps with freshmen? We'll have some talented guys there, but I think it takes some experience, and I think it may take a couple years. I mean, one positive thing about the nine our defensive last year is they were all upperclassmen, and they had played for a few years. They developed in the program. So I said this last week is Utah does such a great job of developing players. So I'm I'm confident that the guys that will replace our nine guys going to the the NFL will will be good. We'll be up to that level, but it may just take a couple years. But you have to kind of embrace that mentality. It's like when someone gets hurt in the in the middle of the year, you know, one man goes down, another guy's got to step up. And so we've got nine guys that are leaving, and now nine guys have got to step up. So I'm just going to take some time. Next man up. I just came up with that right now. Next man up. <laughs> there you go. Let's get some. You might hear that. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I, do, I have a question: basketball and football. Do you guys interact very often? Are there some activities that you do together as, as in the inside of the activity or the athletic department, or how much interaction is there? I mean, nothing set up, nothing set activities. But maybe we should do that. Maybe we should do a basketball, football, player social. Go get some ice cream or something like that. But uh, um, there's just interaction. You know, we all all athletes at the U. We eat at the football facility, the football facility cafeteria, and so there's some interactions there. Um, I know some players that I played with at U at the U actually went to high school with some of the football players, and so they had some interactions from from home. I knew I know some of them just being local. Um, I know Bryn Covey pretty well, and some of the local guys. I grew up playing against Francis Bernard all the time. Francis Bernard was a pretty good basketball player at Harriman High School, and so I I just it's just little interactions between between athletes, whether it be in classes or at the football facility. All athletes are there, but when we're in season, but when both teams are kind of in season, especially that that late fall period you're kind of just with your own team but uh maybe we talk to mark harlan about a football basketball player social in the I, I like it yeah. with media invited yeah <laughs> <laughs> who'd get the ice cream first the media of course um if they want any or left, they better, they the better go first hey i'm gonna ask a personal question of everybody along here oh this scares me 
How old will you be in 11 years? I will personally be 66. Right? Trying to tell us our ages? Yes. <laughs> 11 years from now, how old are you going to be? Well, I'll, I'll, be, uh, I'll be 10 years older than you, let's put it that way. Okay. But I'm going to feel younger than you. All right. And you look younger, too. Still has hair. I'll be 35. <laughs> <laughs> so that makes me 36, so I won't be the youngest. Yeah, there, there we go. No, I'll be, what, 11? 59. Hey, the Utes announced Monday that they're going to have a home-and-home home series with LSU and football. Thing is, the first game's not for 11 years. Second game's in 12 years. How big of a deal is that, Jody, for Utah to get LSU to come to Rice-Eccles Stadium? I think it's really fun. I, I think it's a big deal. I, you get the premier, perhaps the premier football program in the nation to come uh, to Utah in a home-and-home home series. I think that's big. And I I hope that the Utes are able to keep the BYU game. I hope they don't jettison that again. But, but whatever they had to do to get that, I, I think it speaks very highly of the program and where it's at and where LSU and the Utes uh, see themselves being in a decade. Mike, it's where a, do you see them in 11 years? Well, I say it's a, it's a big deal right now, but uh, in 11 years, who knows? LSU could just be a middle-of-the-road SEC team, and Utah might be a middle-of-the-road Pac-12 team. But as of today, you'd say, great, LSU's the national champion, and Utah was in the top 10 all year, so it's a big deal right now. But, you know, I think it's cool that they're playing an SEC team, you know, here in Salt Lake, no matter when it is. And, you know, by then, it should be, uh, you know, it could be a really big deal, or it could just be an average, just another team coming in. We'll just have to wait and see. I don't know. I, I think they're they're big enough. Like LSU is a big enough program that even if they're not good that year, it'll be a big deal. Parker, like the rest of us, you grew up in Salt Lake. How cool is it going to be over the next few years to see Florida, Arkansas, LSU, Baylor, teams like that coming through Salt Lake? I know in recent years we've had Texas A&M and a few big programs, Michigan and teams like that, but uh, starting to be on a more regular basis now. Yeah, it's big time, and that just shows the progression of Utah's program. I remember growing up, and I'd look at the schedule, and we'd have UCLA on the schedule. You know, that was a big-time game. Well, now we play them just about every year. And uh, or I guess we do play them every year. And um, now with these SEC schools coming in and we're going going to these big places, it, I think it'll help us down the road, especially because this year I think that's one thing that hurt us is we had a weak preseason. So when we went up against Oregon, Pac-12 championship, that was the first team we played that was really of a you know top-10 level team. I think we were kind of surprised about how, how good they were. We weren't. Re- I don't know if we were necessarily ready because we hadn't played someone that caliber. And so I think it's good to play some big-time teams in preseason to get us prepared for those big conference games, to get us prepared for the Oregons and, and, and the Washingtons and the USC's. So I already bought my tickets to Baton Rouge, man. I'm going down there. So I'm, <laughs> I'm excited for some SEC football and, uh, Hopefully, hopefully, Coach O's still at LSU when he when we play. That's he, I love and that Coach guy. Coach Witt at Utah and Witt. Coach Witt. Maybe Joe Burrows at like at a quarterback coach at LSU. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we could be in the midst of the uh, Morgan Skelly era. Who knows? Yep. When the Utes are playing that game. Jody, you dwelled on this a little bit. Uh, the Utah BYU uh, series in the future. You know, in the past, Utah subscribed to this A, B, and C scheduling theory with their three non-conference games. You know, the, the, the C game is basically a Big Sky opponent, and then they've always considered BYU to be more of an A opponent than a B opponent. So the odds of them playing an LSU and a BYU in the same year or things like that, I mean, I personally think Utah should play BYU every year. Yeah, I'm, I'd I'm also with you. like to see Utah State on the schedule once in a while. 
Do you think the BYU future is in danger because of these SEC games and big non-conference games are scheduling that Utah will say, boy, we don't want two real toughies in non-conference play? Right. I mean, they've already taken BYU off the schedule twice for to accommodate some big-time opponents. And so that's that's why I brought it up because you can see that happening again. I don't like it. I, I think that there are some things in, in football that should be – uh, you know, cherished and, and should be sacred. I know that's kind of a, <laughs> a interesting word, but I think that it should be every year. You just play your rival. You play BYU every year. Even if you've beaten them 21 straight? Even if you've beaten them 21 straight. 22 sounds better. You just keep it, <laughs> keep it rolling. I think as a as a local kid, I loved competing against BYU. And so I when I came when I came home from my mission, it was my sophomore year, and we hadn't BYU, BYU was not on the basketball schedule. You know, that saddened me a little bit because I loved competing against them. And then as a fan, I love watching Utah BYU, and I think we all do. But, yeah, I mean, that's probably a sign of the LSU game is that maybe BYU's not on there. But I guess that's a the ultimate compliment to BYU. Hey, we can't play you because we're playing your equal LSU. <laughs> You know, I think uh, if, if I had my way, you know, looking to the future, if Utah could play LSU, BYU, and Utah State, that would be the perfect non-conference schedule. Right. You know, maybe by then they'll these big sky schools. You know, things evolve. They won't be playing them every year. Maybe they'll make a rule you can't play them every year or at all. So maybe the schedules, you know, who knows? That's a decade away, and and maybe everybody will be playing a, t- a solid schedule where you don't have any of these patsy teams that you have to play. All right, the loaded question. I'm going to go down the row here. You're at Rice Eccles Stadium. Would you rather watch the Utes play? BYU or LSU? I think I'd rather see BYU. Jody? Uh, LSU one week, BYU the next week. Parker? <laughs> oh, man. What about LSU the first half, BYU the second half? <laughs> I like that. I like where your head is. Wear them down. How about you, Dirk? You, you, yeah. you can't just ask the question. What do you, you think, know, Dirk? I... I I think you find room for both on the schedule. I mean, that's the lame well, that's answer. That's what I would have said, too. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I took that uh, prerogative <laughs> there. But, you know, I really think the Utah-BYU game is a, a state treasure and should be played every year, regardless of who else is on the schedule. There's been enough bad teams that have rolled through town and been some very boring games over the years uh, when they've had two, quote-unquote, weak non-conference games at home. You know, why not have two good ones at home? Well, yeah. and plus, it's not like every team in the Pac-12 is uh, – difficult exactly. challenge. I know really... coaches say that. Uh, every week is a tough week. No, it's not. Some weeks aren't tough. You just you pounce the, that team, you know. You're, you're trash. Oh, Jody, the California. league cannibalizes you're... each other. Just ask every coach. <laughs> That's what they do. I mean, not every Pac-12 team is an elite team every year. There's always going to be a few gimmies. And so, you know, built in with that, along with, you can still have a Patsy along with BYU and LSU if you wanted to. All right. Hey, Jody, tell us about Utah by Five this week. All right. Every week, every Wednesday in your inbox, all you have to do is go to Deseret.com and subscribe to the newsletter. We have a Utah Insiders newsletter. Last week, our uh, Utah by Five was all about the great Eric Weddle. It's kind of sad. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, so there's part of me that's like, good, good riddance, Eric Weddle. <laughs> but it's sad to see uh, such a, a tremendous career end. And so we honored him with five different things about Eric Weddle, including one of my favorite traditions after Baltimore Ravens wins, he would go out and buy uh, Sunday toppings and ice cream for his kids and his family and have the celebratory uh, ice cream Sunday. So we we talked about his stats, that story, uh, the, the story where he uh, was fined $10,000 for watching his daughter perform at halftime instead of going into the locker room. Uh, but every week we, we pick a topic, we break it down into five different uh, subjects within that topic. Uh, we look at the schedule, we uh, do all sorts of different fun, interesting things. So the Utah Insider 
Insiders newsletter, just go to Deseret.com, subscribe. All right. Appreciate that. Jody always does a great job with that. Let's wrap things up. Uh, parting shot, Mike. There's a big game on Thursday, obviously. They need to get back on the win column. Uh, what do they need to do? Is it a quick start or is there Well, more I think, to you know, I was going to say this at the start. You know, I think it comes down to the fact that the Utah team, to, to, as a coach famously once said, they are who we thought they are, thought they were, because the Utah team is playing, they're losing games by double digits. At the start of the year, you said they're going to probably be a young team that's going to struggle. They won some games, so the expectations got high. But now I think they're playing what people, what they probably, expectations you know, should have been. And I think if they win two games this week, they got two games. Uh, games coming up against uh, winnable games on the road against Stanford and Cal, and they close at home against a tough Colorado team. So they could still win, you know, three or four more games this season. All right. Well, Parker, uh, it's almost time to say goodbye. Send you out of the country to play some ball. I know. I hope you guys will do well without me. You know, I hope <laughs> I'll hope you'll be there. But as far as Utah, as, as speaking of Utah by five, let's go. Let's go have the Utes end on a five-game winning streak. Two at home, two on the road, one back at home against Colorado. So that uh, that like will that. be that will be my parting gift to Mexico. <laughs> the Utes win five straight. I'll let the coach know. I'll let the players know, and maybe that will uh, change this pattern of winning two and losing two. But I just personally am very excited to go play again, and I uh, I hope ever, all of Ute Nation um, follows me. I'm going to be continuing to posting stuff about my career with the Tijuana Zonkies. So I hope everyone uh, follows and continue listening to the Ute Insiders podcast, and uh, hopefully I can be a guest down in Mexico. What kind of a noise does a zonkey make? I have yet to find out. That's my first <laughs> question. Once I get down there, my first thing I'm going to investigate. I would like to hear Jody try to make a zonkey noise. <laughs> That pretty was pretty good. good. <laughs> Not bad. That was pretty Not good. Uh, I've been called Jack A before. <laughs> uh, good luck in Tijuana. That That's exciting. Uh, that should be really fun. We'll look forward to watching. Maybe we can have a road show and, and bring the podcast down there. I want to give one parting shot to the Utah lacrosse team. They played Air Force this past week, came within one point. Air Force is ranked in top 25. So this lacrosse team, their second season in Division One, and they're, they're doing well. They play Furman this week. Well, I appreciate it, folks. Thanks for listening. Before we leave, uh, Parker, uh, I stopped by a favorite East High Hot hires today. Got you a gift card because I want you to have one good meal before you go to Tijuana, okay? Oh, thank you, Dirk, nice. because I don't know if they're going to feed me down in Tijuana, so <laughs> well, I will take hires <laughs> with great appreciation. Thank you. There's You're a welcome. taco stand down there. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you later. <laughs>